Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 773, recorded live on October 14th, 2023. And here are your hosts, the man who's going to humor my um, scientific inquiry here, Dave Clay. Hi. And the man who's got two pops here, but I'm going to actually tell you exactly what they are. Angelo, oh, hi. A, a different take on the game. Yes, because as we remember last week, I had the voodoo, the mystery flavor. Which was red airhead. Yes, and I went, and I did not have any red airheads here. But, you know, it's Halloween season, and so uh, when I was shopping, I was just walking by, and I saw a giant variety pack of mini airheads. So I got the variety pack of mini airheads, and I've literally got a bag now here of mini cherry airheads, because who the hell would want to eat a whole one? Me, Laura, many other people. Yep, I know. So what? the rest of them, I'm just going to literally throw them in with her Halloween candy. Um, seems Dave, or not Dave, uh, Isaac likes them too, so we might just hold on some for snack. Another random thing is, this is a variety pack, right? Mm-hmm. There were four blue raspberry airheads in this whole bag. That's it. Just there were, there were four of them total in this whole three pound variety bag of airheads. Four. I know it's just probably a random sorting thing there, but that was, I felt like I got gypped. I mean, it's it's random sorting-ish. Like, same thing with the M&Ms, right? There are colors of M&M that are going to be more prevalent in the bag. Yeah. So, I've got... Cherry Airheads now. I've yep. got the Mountain Voodoo. Yeah. And then I also went and stopped by and got some Code Red. So, Which is also cherry flavored. Yes. So I've got the Code Red here. And I've got the Voodoo. And I've got the actual Cherry Airhead. So I'm going to see what the voodoo does the voodoo actually taste like a cherry airhead or does it actually you know taste like code red code red okay and that was code red and i now remember why i don't why i don't drink it <laughs> okay so yeah that's a mountain dew with a slight cherry flavor oh wow wow that does taste like the airhead oh my god <laughs> and it, it tastes like the thing they said that it tastes like i know but i didn't think about it until i had an airhead right before recording and it's like, in my head, I thought it was going to taste like the Code Red, right? It's like, oh, yeah, no, we can do a cherry candy. We've already got a cherry Mountain Dew. It's be easy. But it does not taste like Code Red. It actually tastes like a cherry airhead. Content, ladies and gentlemen, content. <laughs> oh, now i got to eat this cherry airhead. Otherwise, it's just going to be sticky everywhere. Yes, also, don't give an airhead to a three-year-old. It's just sticky everywhere. So, David, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Andy. I'm doing well. I had a a good week. I went to New Orleans, okay, got to eat some good food. <laughs> I don't knock going to New Orleans, but it's definitely not Mardi Gras time. So It is not Mardi Gras time, although there was a parade that went past my hotel one night, uh, and I had to look it up. And I was able to look it up because it was like, um, it was a bunch of bicycles with like LEDs on them, like tons <laughs> of LEDs. And it was just this parade with music 
and just people biking through downtown with a bunch of LEDs. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? It turns out it's like, uh, like you can rent a bunch of bicycles, like from an art center and you can have a, a parade. Um, a, a, like, there's a car that drives behind you to make sure that other cars don't come and hit you. Mm. It was pretty good. Um, and then the food was amazing. Well, of course. Um, I, I ended up going to Emerald Lagasse's restaurant. Oh, really? I didn't realize it was Emerald Lagasse's restaurant until I had already placed my order and I looked down at the menu and at the bottom, it was like an Emerald Lagasse restaurant. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense given like what's on the menu. <laughs> I'm like, this is a really good food. Like the fuck? <laughs> There were a lot of restaurants in the area I was in. So the thing is, I'm not a seafood fan. Like, that's a lot of their cuisine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. When I went down to Bayou La Battery, Alabama, which is that part of Alabama that is actually touching the Gulf Coast, that little itty bitty bit of Alabama, Mm -hmm. they had amazing shrimp and amazing, you know, other seafood stuff there. But some of that seafood, I'm just looking at going, I can't, I can't eat that. You, you, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to process that a little bit more. (laughs) So I can't, you know, see its beady little eyes staring at me. Then I will be able to possibly eat it. But man, it was good. So would you do like surf and turf or you just do straight seafood? I, I stayed away from seafood entirely. Oh, that's all. Not entirely. I did have sushi. <laughs> I know it probably doesn't seem wrong, but that just seems wrong. To not have seafood? Well, no, to have sushi in New Orleans. In, in New Orleans. I mean, Andy, you can have sushi anywhere. Yeah, I know. It just. <laughs> the idea is that the fish is fresh. Yeah, which it definitely so would like, be there. Yeah, it was OK. The sushi was actually mediocre. Oh, okay. So what you have, just more Creole type of... I mean, I had like... Sausage? Pasta, and I had... I did have a sausage thing. I had, um... They put, uh, like a chicken sausage in the pasta, and it was really, really fucking good. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a burger. Like, I, I didn't really have Cajun food. I didn't get a gumbo while I was there. But it was still I good. didn't get jambalaya. I didn't get... You didn't get a thing of dirty like, rice? Nope. Now, for what it's worth, I'm going back to Louisiana in a week and a couple days. I have a second work trip out there, and I'm going to Baton Rouge. So I won't be in Nolens, but I will be in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All right, now here's the follow-up question. Did anybody actually down there call it Norlands? Or Because I've heard people uh, say that couple. it's, ma- you know, that's a that's a touristy thing to actually yeah, call it, it that. Yeah, I, there were a couple. One of my Uber drivers but they did not have what what would be the like hollywood new orleans accent yeah there were definitely like it was an accent but it wasn't that accent yeah no i had a good time i met some some fun people um work was work came back with a lot of ideas which is great that's the whole point of sending us out to to the customers on immersion um oh so you were kind of like embedded in a hospital well, that would be true if I were on any of the development teams that make the hospital software. Oh, okay. I make, my team makes the training arm of the software, oh. which is a website. Gotcha. <laughs> we make a website. Um, so I, I did not go into the hospital proper. Uh, when I go on immersion, I'm usually hanging out at either an administrative center or the training center, which is often part of the administrative center. I got to watch people taking classes. <laughs> that that was my trip. 
other developers go on immersion like, oh, yeah, I watched like a surgery. I watched an appendectomy. I watched a woman give birth. I'm like, cool. I watched people sit down and listen to a trainer for four hours. Well, that sounds like my week because while you were in New Orleans, I was up in Traverse City. Woo, Traverse! Wait, yep. but Andy, it's not cherry season. No, it's not. It's it's color season actually up there, which was actually kind of nice during the drive. Um, but uh, so I work for a statewide agency, right? Yeah. And so they basically make sure that at least once a year they get everybody together in one room, you know, as much as possible. And so there was Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday was um, basically just seminars because, you know, there's lots of stuff that I don't know, you know, we don't know about the other wings of the department. You know, it's like, okay, you know, this is what this group is doing. This is what this group is doing. You know, here are, you know, there was breakout sessions for, you know, different things to do with because we're transitioning to SharePoint for a bunch of our stuff now. And mm-hmm. um, SharePoint and there was another, I forgot what the other one was called, but they were they were transitioning all of our shared documents they're like, okay, this is what this does, and this is what this does, and there are, there's new requirements for how long things are stored on these network drives. And a is, whole bunch is of, it perhaps OneDrive is the other thing? It might be OneDrive. It it was we, we were basically just leaving a just basic network drive. It was literally it's just the S yeah, drive. That, that sounds like OneDrive. So yeah, it was SharePoint and something else, but I still haven't you know done anything with my s drive folder so i it was like this is all the stuff that's going to get moved over and i just open up my s drive folder and go there's nothing there easiest (laughs) transition ever i'm done i will make sure not to put anything in the s drive until the s drive goes away and then somebody points me to a new location and that's where i will put all my new stuff yeah. So yes, it was at the uh, Great Wolf Lodge up in Traverse City for uh, 25 hours of conferences. And seminar. And seminars and sitting there listening to people talk. That sounds mind-numbingly thrilling. Oh yeah, but um, since the room was already paid for, uh, Kate and the kids got to come with me. So Kate was with the kids during the day and then Aww. 5 o'clock... Five o'clock rolled around. I could just, you know, hang go out. Hang with out the, with your kids. Yeah, go wife. hang out with them, and you know, take advantage of the water park and all that other stuff. But I'll talk about that during the. Uh, Want to review that as my random review because that, you know, ah, that'll be the review. I see. Yes, that's that's fair. Okay, cool. Yep. So, um, so I actually was like sitting here going, "What happened this week?" Because <laughs> I was trying to find the <laughs> I was trying to find the topic list, and I'm like. I did not pay attention to anything this week. Because we've both been like, there's news? Question mark? Like things. Something happened. Something happened. I'm not sure what, because I was kind of, you know, in that bubble. I mean, there's a lot of like politics that happened this week. The whole like House Speaker bullshit. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's everything going on in Israel and Gaza that we probably don't want to touch. Nope. I did find topics, though, especially there's one that I want to talk about because it may or may not personally involve me. Okay. Because, so, three years ago was the T-Mobile Sprint merger, right? God, was that three years already? I think that was three years. Hold on. That's so long ago. 
but it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Sprint Corporation and T-Mobile U.S. merged in 2020. The merger closed on April 1st, 2020. And so part of that merger requirement was that T-Mobile was not going to basically mess with their price points for three years. Well, it's been three years. Yes, and um, this was first announced earlier this week and has been officially verified by T-Mobile that... T-Mobile is forcing users on its older unlimited plans to move starting next month. Oops. What if you came in from Sprint with an unlimited plan? Well, this one is for the one simple choice Magenta and Magenta 55 Plus plans. Okay. Supposedly, the notices are going to go out on the 17th saying that you either uh, you are going to be migrated to a newer plan. (laughs) Whether you like it or not. Well, supposedly, um, because people have already called up support about this, even though this hasn't been officially announced and officially sent out to people, people are already up in arms because all the plans are going to be on average um, an increase of approximately $10 per line. That's Um, not insignificant. Nope. What happened to like, we're a different mobile company? Well, that was the thing. It was like, okay, yeah, you know, for three years, they weren't allowed to do anything. And then all of a sudden, literally three years is up and they're like, all right, everybody, (laughs) guess what? (laughs) We're now allowed to do things. We're now allowed to do things. First things, everybody's on who's on a grandfather plan. You're probably, okay, so yeah, simple choice is going to move to Magenta or to Essential Select. People from Magenta are going to go to Go 5G. Magenta 55 is going to go to Go 5G 55. Those on the one plan are going to go to Go 5G. And then Simple Choice Business is going to get migrated to Business Unlimited Advanced. And so I have had this T-Mobile plan, I think our Simple Choice plan, for 20 years now, somewhere around there. I think I got it after graduating. Literally right after graduating high school? Somewhere around there. It's either that or that fall. But I've had a grandfather plan because it is literally um, $40 per line for the two of us. For, for unlimited, unlimited unlimited talk, text, and data. 40 bucks, both of us. And every time I go into the T-Mobile store to do anything, they're like, have you thought about upgrading? I'm like, can you beat $40 per line? And they just look at me and they're like, no. And I'm like, okay then. (laughs) So supposedly I will be getting a text or an email or something on the 17th. And then I'll be able to call up tech support or their their customer service support. And they're going to have to go through a whole spiel. And then hopefully I'll be able to opt out of the um the plan change yes interesting so you'll you can indeed opt out of it yes but the question is and people have asked the t-mobile people and all the t-mobile people have said we haven't heard anything mm-hmm. about if it's a permanent opt out or if it's just a temporary opt out and you'll have to keep doing it over and over again that would be so mean but also would be like super machiavellian so, yeah, that might be a thing. But um, because now I work for the state of Michigan in the first responders type area, mm-hmm. I can get onto um, the FirstNet cell phone plans. So we'll have to see. We've talked about FirstNet, right? The the thing that AT&T has set up for emergency. For first responders? For first responders. Huh. I might be able to get onto that cell phone service plan. So we'll That have to, sounds pretty good. Yeah. There's one thing I've noticed because we've had 
the FirstNet um, hotspots for our station up in Holland. Holland has the Tulip Parade every year, and every year everybody's cell phones just get slammed because in Holland because of the parade. Those first net hotspots were literally rock solid from start to finish because it's it's a cell phone frequency specifically set aside for first responders. And if I can get my cell phone on there, we'll see. But yeah, no, yeah, T-Mobile, three years. We're not going to do anything. As soon as it's up, they're doing something. So that's, And none of us should be surprised. No. Uh, which, you know what else isn't surprising? What else is not surprising, Dave? That Unity CEO said, I'm out. <laughs> Let me go burn all the trust that we've made with developers over the last, like, 10 years and cause a fire in the company. And then, you know what? I think I'm just going to step back and leave. Or was forced out. Definitely could have been forced out. Oh, man. Less than one month after deciding to change the fees. Yeah. He gone. No, he said he's retiring. So the, the real question is, he's retiring or did they retire him? Right. I'm not actually sure. I think he he said like, okay, I got to get out of here. Because that's probably the first thing that you want to do for damage control is somebody's head's going to have to roll. Right. And and like Unity needs to be able to come back to to the developers and say, no, 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 look, we're, we're serious. We're walking this back. The guy who came up with it, he's gone. He must have made so much money. Oh, probably. Probably dumped most of his stock right before the announcement, too. No, there there was a thing about that, wasn't there? I think so. <clears throat> well, see, I'm trying to look this up, and all I see is just Unity CEO is out. I'm like, okay, yes, but didn't he... Uh, you could look up, like, Unity CEO Insider Trading. Oh, yeah, okay, there we go. And it's the first thing. Unity executives, including the CEO, sold shares prior to recent controversial announcement. Oh, That lovely. is illegal. That is... <laughs> is illegal it's insider trading you like you can't do that i wonder if there's there probably is some sort of you know i was gonna say it possibly ai but some like hedge fund machine that is just tracking the stock of you know ceos because that would be a very interesting thing to see if the ceo suddenly sells a large number of shares that's you know a red flag and that can get them out ahead of something i mean maybe Probably. The thing is, like, do CEO trades need to be immediately public or just, like, retroactively public? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But I do assume that if I'm a a large hedge fund company and one of the CEOs is my client and that CEO calls in and says, dump my stock from my own company, I'm probably going to dump more than just the CEO's stock. Oh, jeez. Well, and curious about this, um, over the past year, he has sold a total of 50,610 shares and purchased none. Sold 50,000 shares. Sold 50,000 shares. And Unity's stock is trading, was trading at about, what, like $35, $40 a share? Yeah, $39 at its peak. Yep. So 50,000 shares? Yes. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, here we go. The, this article, yeah, from, from September 9th. When did the, the fees first get announced? When did this? That was the 15th. 
right? They announced the changes mm-hmm. on September 12th. So this article is from September 9th mm-hmm. saying that he just sold 2,000 shares. The Unity price plan pricing and packaging updates was on September 12th. So somebody beforehand was like, hey, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> And then they sold all their shares. Yeah. Uh, Unity's blog post, which was published on... The blog post was originally on September 12th, yep. Jesus Christ, Unity. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, other merger and acquisition news. Um, The CMA had cleared Microsoft to acquire Activision Blizzard in the UK. Is that the last hurdle? In theory, yes. DOJ's not stepping in. FTC is still appealing the acquisition. I don't remember exactly what grounds they're appealing on, but I remember they said, the FTC literally said that they still have an appeals court date of December 6th. (laughs) Okay. But uh, officially, Activision Blizzard have closed the deal. Well, shit. So the deal first announced on January 18th of 2022 closed on October 13th, 2023. Look, it's a big, literally, it's a big deal. Yeah. This is a lot of money moving and it's a lot of like impact. And they're trying to make it out like it won't be a lot of impact, but it's a lot of impact. It's a $69 billion deal. The question is, though, is as you know, they've said that you know a lot of the stuff. You know, we're not going to do this for ten years. We're not going to do this for fifteen years. The question is, okay, what's going to happen in fifteen years? Because as I've now seen with T-Mobile, as soon as they said, "Oh, our three years are up," okay, <laughs> yep, we're going to be lucky if they wait that that time period because it might be in like five years. Like, ah, eh, no one's paying attention anymore. Oh, we did that? Oh, shoot. I guess we're going to have to pay a, a minuscule fine yeah. for not following the contractual obligations. Meanwhile, Bobby Kotick, now that the merger has been approved, is saying, peace! Yep. He, he sent out a letter to everybody at Activision saying that he was going to stay on through the um, through the rest of this year. He had, oh, he is fully committed to helping with the transition that he would stay on as CEO through the end of 2023. So everybody's like, okay, so what exactly does that mean? What's the ambiguity on that one? So somebody from Bloomberg, you know... Contacted him. Contacted him. And he said on January 1st, he's going to leave. So yes, Bobby Kotek will be on as CEO literally until the end of 2023. And then as soon as January 1st rolls around, he gone. I wonder if that was a Microsoft insistence. <laughs> Probably. Saying, yes, we'll do this deal, but you gotta go. <clears throat> well, that's that's good, because, like, Bobby Kotick is a fucking jerk. Yes. There was a Penny Arcade recently about him, I think. Oh, yeah, it was the, um, was it James Corden did an interview with him or something? Yeah, James Corden. Like that. an all-hands meeting at Activision Blizzard. <laughs> Wow. <clears throat> That's like, okay, I know James Corden's not doing anything right now, but that just seems like an odd fit. Yeah, a little bit, especially to support Activision Blizzard, like, mm-hmm. especially when the video game SAG-AFTRA, like, that they're, they're talking about strike. In fact, they voted to authorize a strike, right? Yes, actually, they did, didn't they? I do believe they did. SAG-AFTRA video game... Strike. That was 2016. 
This is 2023. SAG after members approved video game strike authorization with 98% yes. Okay. Well, the strike authorization does not mean the union <clears throat> is calling a strike, though. It just means that they can call the strike. Yes. I, I presume James Corden is part of SAG-AFTRA. I hope he would be. Well, I don't... Because, no, SAG is still striking, but um, the late shows are back on the air. Yeah. So does that mean does that mean they're, the hosts are not part of SAG-AFTRA? Or? But, like, Stephen Colbert is definitely part of the Screen Actors Guild. Those shows might be exempt from the strike. Like, there are exemptions on the strike. Why can Stephen <laughs> Colbert be on during SAG strike? Late night shows fall under the network television code. These striking performers can return to their jobs. Late night is officially part of what's called the National Code of Fair Practice for Network Television Broadcasting, which also includes variety shows, game shows, award shows, and soap operas. Huh. So Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers, and Stephen Colbert can go back to work. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, John Oliver and um, Bill Maher, they can all return to work because they're part of this, like, small carved out exemption. Uh, can striking actors appear on Late Night? Yes, they can, but they can't discuss or promote work that's happening on Struck Projects. <clears throat> okay. Interesting. There is, oh my God, they, these guys have to be talking to their lawyers, like, all the time. Well, we'll just have to see how everything uh, yeah. rolls out. So, so anyway, yeah, Bobby Kotick leaving Activision about damn time, like really about damn time. All right, what else would you like to talk about, Andy? Well, other legal news. So, do you remember when uh, there was a court case between Google and uh, Sonosis? Sonos. Sonos, yes. Um, no. <laughs> you, you'll have to forgive me. I have not kept up on all of my Google court cases. So, I'm sure we talked about this at some point, but I have no recollection of Google. I, I presume Sonos suing Google. Yes, because Sonos has been making internet-connected speakers a lot longer than Google did with the Google Home speakers, which I you know, have two of those in the other room now. Mm -hmm. Um, so they sued Google and back in 2022, the U S international trade commission issued a decision saying that Google infringed five smart speaker patents. Ooh. Well, um, Google, uh, rather than, you know, paying <clears throat> a licensing fee, Google went into the speakers and basically disabled the features that the patents were covering. Infringed. Yeah. Yes. So this week, during basically the appeal process of this patent fight, mm -hmm. they convinced the judge to um, throw out <laughs> the things there. The, the finding that the patents at the heart of the case were unenforceable. Wait, they but what? Yep. The U.S. District Judge said on Friday that... They had improperly tried to connect the patents for multi-room audio technology to a 2006 application to claim that its inventions predated Google's devices. Mm -hmm. 
This was not a case of an inventor leading the industry to something new, the judge says. This was a case of the industry leading with something new and only then an inventor coming out of the woodwork to say that he had come up with the ideas first. So the guy ruled basically saying that the lawsuit... Um, that it was a patent troll. Yes. It was really. someone saying, oh no, I, I did this before you did, like a long time ago. So Google is able to do this again and... Right. You know, when they lost the first time, they just disabled the software in the speakers. And now all of a sudden they're t- they just flip the, the bit back on. Yep. This is a great reason to have a, uh, a feature control that you can turn on and off. <laughs> cool. So what does my speaker do now that it was not doing before? Okay, so Google said during the setup, we recently made a change to speaker groups for Nest speakers, displays, and Chromecast, where certain devices can only belong to one group at a time in the Google Home app. A federal judge has found that two patents that uh, we were accused of infringing on are invalid. In light of this legal decision, we're happy to share that we'll be rolling back this change. Devices will be able to belong to multiple speaker groups, and you will no longer run into an error when trying to add a device to additional groups. We're beginning to roll this update immediately and expect it to go live across all of our devices in the next 48 hours. So Google... So something about speaker groups is, yes. is kind of what I might take Google, away. Google speakers can play audio from multiple speakers in multiple rooms using their built-in microphones to automatically juggle the surprisingly complex audio delay problems. Interesting, because you want them to all play in sync. Yes. And so when they all start playing and they're out of sync... The, the the microphones will pick up that they're out of sync and then correct them. Yes, probably sending some sort of like subaudible tone or something like that. So all the speakers can tell. I, I don't think it even needs to be subaudible. Like it, it could just use the music. True. But, you know, they know what they're supposed to play. Yep. So they know what they should be hearing. Okay, so this is what I'm pulling up the article back from 20 from 2022. Okay, so you'll notice a few changes. To adjust volume on your speaker groups, you will need to adjust each speaker individually instead of using the group volume controller. Well, speaker groups should continue functioning as expected unless you have a speaker group containing other brands of cast-based devices. Also, you you could hook other speakers into this. Well, now you can. <laughs> you couldn't. You couldn't. But now you can. Now you can. It, no surprise that uh, the decision is going to be appealed. Shocker. Yep. But I still find that funny. That it was like, oh, we, we can't do this anymore. We'll turn it off. And then it's literally like 24 hours after they get approval again. Boom. Right back up again. Yeah. Hmm. What okay. What else would you like to talk about? Well, there's going to be a new PS5 coming out. The redesigned PS5. Well, it's slimmer. Okay. So it's the PS5 Slim. Basically. Like they've done this every every PlayStation, right? There was the PS2, PS2 Slim. There was the PS3, PS3 Slim. I swear there were two PS4s. Sony is touting a 30% reduction in volume compared to the previous version. 8% shorter and 8% slimmer while the depth has been cut 17%. But it's a digital only version. Well, no. um, it will be available in disc and digital only models. If you get the digital only model, you can get a, uh, you can get an ultra HD Blu-ray disc drive that can be installed into the system for $80. Okay. But smaller 
unit bigger price. Well, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. More effort went into it to to minimize it. Yep. So the, the, the prices are probably more expensive. Yep. So the price has gone up for yep. the smaller model. And I'm looking at it and actually the digital only version looks kind of nice. It, the, the one with the disk drive, the disk drive looks like it's just been tacked on, which probably it is, especially if it's an $80 add-on that you could probably just buy and install yourself. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, the new digital version is uh, $450 now, which is $50 up, which is better than in Japan. Japan, it's actually jumped up 15,000 yen, which is about $100. Really? Yep. What? Wait, what's the yen to dollar? I mean, it's about 150 to one, clearly. <laughs> um, but that's that's actually very odd. Yeah, it's 149 to one. Dang. Well, then. Uh, actually, the easier way is USDTN. Wow, that's that's not great for Japan. Okay, from 1992 all the way to about like 2020, it was generally hovering around a hundred yen to the dollar. Okay, it is now a hundred and fifty yen to the dollar. Ouch! It has not been that high in 33 years. Oh, man, what is going on in Japan? I don't know, but a dollar is worth a lot more yen than it used to be. I mean, not than it used to used to be. Uh, Back in like 1985, it was 230 yen to the dollar. But like, man, apparently it's time to go to to Japan. All right, now I'm hold on. I'm reading on about... (laughs) About international currency exchange? Yes. Andy... (laughs) The continued uptrend in the USTJGB encouraged to the encouraged the 150 to be breached in the wake of the better than expected JOLTS data. No idea what any of that means. I, I nope nope. I got nothing. I got nothing. Sorry, I'm out. It's like yeah, the dollar weakens against the yen. What is happening to the Japanese currency? Okay, here we go. BBC might say something. <clears throat> Gasp, Wisconsin lost today? Did you see the Michigan score? (laughs) I watched most of the Michigan game, actually. Uh, Before I went and had to go babysitting, I watched the first half. Wait, 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 wait. What, that I watched football? Or that I had to go babysit? You had to go babysit. Yeah, I went babysat for my friend. Okay. They have a, they have, I mean, they have a six-year-old and a four-year-old and a, like, ten-month-old. Okay. And the the two older kids were watching Aladdin with their grandmother. The musical is in town. And so we went and watched the the infant. It was great. She slept for two out of the four hours. Yep. Nope. That's that's the potted plant stage. Yeah. Uh, No, she's past potted plant. She she is mobile. Okay. She is like she will go anywhere on the first floor of that house. And if the door (laughs) is open, she will try to go upstairs. So like she requires active watching. And and interaction. She is like she's on the verge of language, which is insane. She definitely understands language and and knows certain things. But yeah, I babysat today. I also watched the Michigan game and I watched the the first score that Indiana made. And like all the Indiana fans at Michigan were like, oh, my God, this is our year. This is our year. And the Michigan fans were like, what the hell is going on? And then the Michigan team started playing. (laughs) Like, I don't know if they just needed to have like a little bit of coffee this morning or what. Like they were super sluggish to begin with. Uh, JJ McCarthy had like zero for two in the first two drives. Like just just bad passing 
and like just all and then they started playing and then Indiana didn't score again and I think Michigan might have punished them for scoring uh, check in the Mac action here okay Eastern won Western lost <clears throat> man Miami of Ohio is just on fire right now Wisconsin lost to Iowa though <sighs> They beat UMass, they beat Cincinnati, they beat Kent State, they beat Bowling Green, they beat Delaware State, didn't even know that was a team, and they beat Western mm. today. Playing Toledo next weekend, that should be a good game, because Toledo, I think, is, yeah, they're 6-1 and one as well. That's going to be the game to watch. If you're a fan of the Mid-American conference? conference? Yeah. <laughs> like, Andy, do, do you know who else plays next week, Andy? Yep, that's the Michigan-Michigan State game next weekend, right? Right, and they're playing at Michigan State. With a night game. With a night game. So, like, yeah, if if you're really into the, the MAC, then sure, the Toledo game, that's going to be a good game. But also Michigan-Michigan State. Wait, Michigan State just lost to Rutgers? Yep. Have you seen Michigan State record this year? Yeah, no, it's not good. <laughs> You guys thought you could get through an episode without football talk. <laughs> Ouch. Michigan State is not doing well this year. No. Which makes it all the scarier for Michigan to go there and play. Because if there's ever a time that Michigan loses to Michigan State, it's when Michigan State is doing terrible. Oh my goodness. So, Michigan's already bowl eligible. Yeah. So is OSU and Penn State. Maryland could get one with another's win. Rutgers could get eligible with another win. So that would be one, two, that'd be five out of the seven for the Big Ten East. Mm -hmm. Right now, Iowa in the Big Ten West is the only team that's bowl eligible. That's bowl eligible. I feel like the East and West are alone. Each other, then, like, yeah. I feel like these conferences are a little lopsided. Granted, they're looking at getting rid of the Big Ten conferences. So The East and West? Yes. I mean, aren't they looking at adding a third one because they're adding like five well, new teams in the next year, two they're, years? They're looking at like the Big 12 and that sort of thing there where just everybody is in one conference. Mm. But then what do we do for the championship game? I think the top well, I don't know. I'd have to grant you that. It, it could be at that point, Michigan plays in Ohio, and then depending on the outcome of that game, they might play again. <laughs> that is that is a if you go back and look at the, the like last ten years, how many times would that be the game? Oh, probably a lot. How many times would it be, all right, Michigan and Ohio State play, good, now do it again? Which the Michigan-Ohio State game, you know, made sense before there was the conference championships. Right, right? because it basically was the conference championship. That's very full of myself, but still. Yeah, no, but it's... I mean, it it always added oomph to the game because it kind of usually did determine who was going to be conference champion. It might not have been one of the people playing in that game, but it definitely, like... One of them was going to be the conference champion. <clears throat> yeah, its first championship game was played in 2011. So 12 years ago. Yep, because the NCAA required that a conference have 12 teams with two divisions <clears throat> in order to hold a conference championship game. And that was the first time that they had 12 teams. Yep. Because we added Nebraska? Yes. And then Rutgers came in with Maryland after that. Yep. Yep. And now we're adding USC and UCLA. 
And then we're adding Oregon and Washington. Which, yeah, that one. Hey, there will be two UWs in the Big Ten. That'll be a great game when there's UW and UW. <clears throat> it's all TV ratings money anyway. Yeah. I, I always have a very mixed feeling when I'm watching football because on the one hand, it is a highly entertaining sport and I really like the strategy and I really like the skill. And on the other side, I'm watching a bunch of people ram into each other and probably cause themselves permanent brain damage. Yep. I was going to say, and you didn't have to watch the Detroit Lions. Oh, wait. What about? Well, they're, you know, top of the... Great this year. I know, which is surprising. I was actually talking to to my Uber driver about that. He was asking me when he learned that I was from Michigan. He's like, so how about them Lions? I'm like, yeah, they're doing really well. He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, if they win one uh, playoff game, it'll be their best year ever. (laughs) He's like, what? I said, oh, you didn't know? Yeah, it was the was that stat, the same number of owners and playoff games, playoff victories. I thought the Lions have never had a playoff victory. No, they had they've had one since Ford bought the team. Okay. They've had one playoff victory in the whole span that Ford had owned the Detroit Lions. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was always my go-to thing there. It's like, what's wrong with the Lions? I'm like, well, let me tell you one stat. <laughs> Let me tell you one stat, and I feel like that encompasses everything. It it certainly encompasses a lot. Yeah, there but there were other issues with the Lions other than their owner. Yes, but that's a that's a. <laughs> I told you that the the story of why Ford was given the team, right? I don't think so. Supposedly, Ford was basically allowed to buy the Lions or was basically given the Detroit Lions Mm -hmm. if he was willing to give up voting on the board at Ford Motors. (laughs) That was that was the that was the unofficial scuttlebutt was the fact that Ford did not want him voting on anything to do with Ford Motors. So they basically gave him the Lions and said, here, go play with this. This is William Clay Ford. Yes. Okay. They're like, stay away from the company. Yes. Stay away from the company. Here, have a football team. Go play with them. Yeah. Just stay away from the actual. (laughs) Now, you know, that's completely, that's just what I've heard from rumors and happenstance from people, but same number of playoff wins as owners. I still remember Bill Ford coming in. This is uh, the his, William Ford's son coming oh, yeah, in to, uh, to play the Yep. 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 I played against him. <laughs> it was so weird because I didn't know great. who he was. I had no idea who he was. His kid was good. Yep. God, I remember that. His kid was actually pretty good. Gave me a serious run for my money when I was playing against him. <laughs> Well, let's see. Um, all right. One other bit of news. Uh, Project Kuiper update. If you remember what Project Kuiper is. Nope. Project Kuiper was uh, Amazon's Starlink or okay. is. Well, the first two satellites finally have been launched. Two. Two. How many Starlink satellites are there? <laughs> You're going to be better as, faster at that than I am. Uh, as of August 2023, over 5,000 satellites out of a first run of 12,000 with a possible later extension to 42,000. Kuiper has two. Yes. 
These were actually launched on an Atlas V rocket. Could you imagine a massive Atlas V rocket? Uh, they they weren't the only thing in the no. Atlas V. No, they were. <gasps> what? How these were- big are these satellites? <laughs> Not big at all. Did they launch an Atlas V mostly empty? Pretty much, yeah. The two satellites, KuiperSat-1 and KuiperSat-2, have been ready to fly to space since March when Amazon shipped the spacecraft from Washington to a satellite processing facility in Florida. They were booked to fly on the inaugural test flight of the new Vulcan rocket alongside a commercial lunar lander from Astrobotic. However, that mission was delayed from May until the end of this year at the earliest following an accident during testing of the rocket's upper stage. And these satellites have how many years? Six years to deploy all 3,200 satellites. They got a lot of work ahead of them. Yeah, 77, at least 77 rocket launchers basically booked over the next six years to, de- to deploy these things. So they wanted to get these things up as soon as possible. So their original rocket, we haven't seen a Vulcan launch yet. Right. Um, so before they were supposed to fly on the Vulcan, the Kuiper test beds were contracted to fly on another rocket from ABL Space Systems, which also um, is not able to fly. So they they had a lot of trouble finding something to take it up. Yes. But why? Because they had already paid for one of the Atlas V launches. This was part of, I think, seven launches on the Atlas Vs. But why send it up empty? Okay, so yeah, 77 launches, 38 Vulcan launches, 9 flights on the Atlas V, 18 uh, EU rockets on the new six. And 12 oh, this is even better. At the end of this mission, they plan to deorbit the two satellites. Oh, these are just test beds? These are two test satellites. I hope they, like, underfueled that rocket. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. They have so much money. Okay, so Amazon has not revealed much about the design of its Kuiper satellites, other than that they are three-dimensional in shape. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me that that's not as dumb a statement as it sounds, that it's going to be one of those, like, it's a three-dimensional antenna where you think of most antenna as, like, one or two-dimensional. Okay, next sentence is not flat-packed for launch like SpaceX's Starlink satellites. Okay. Uh, Each Kuiper spacecraft likely weighs a few hundred kilograms at launch, so a dedicated Atlas V launch into low Earth orbit for just two of Amazon satellites is a bit of overkill. Yeah, no, we yep. we all see that. That's a big rocket. It this launch used up one of the nine Atlas Vs that <laughs> Amazon had reserved for the Kuiper missions. But Amazon must have seen some benefit in getting the Kuiper Sat One and Kuiper Sat Two into orbit a few months sooner than it would have been if they had waited for the Vulcan. I mean, I guess if. You- <laughs> Well, we've already paid for it, and we really need to get these things up because the rest of the project is hanging on their results. Yep. Someone send that to Jeff. We need his sign-off on it. I still love the fact that there's, you know, the it's a class action lawsuit against Amazon for, um, <clears throat> yeah, to stude, sued Amazon and its founder Jeff Bezos for breaching their fiduciary duty by passing over SpaceX's launch services in their multi-billion dollar rocket procurement for Project Kuiper. <laughs> like, look, I know that you're competitors, but like if you use their stuff, it's cheaper. Which 
All right. So this will lead us into our last topic here before we got to hit the randoms. Sure. Um, but the Space News did an actual nice little article here about the the SpaceX monopoly. And they're like, SpaceX didn't start out to become a monopoly. It just was just basically a bunch of accidents that happened. And now SpaceX is like the only game in town. It, and it wasn't even accidents. Anyone else in that industry could have done what SpaceX is doing. Yes. And still can, to be clear. It's not like SpaceX has a bunch of proprietary technology behind this. No, it was just SpaceX is monopoly <laughs> on no fault of SpaceX itself. Not because they wanted to, but because of many other situations that created this scenario. It's just, it's hilarious just to read this through there. It's like, okay, you know, it's like, oh, SpaceX is causing problems. It's like, no, there were a lot of other problems. No, it's just everyone else screwed up. Yep. And just, it's like, it's not an intentional monopoly. Nope. It's just, they had the best product at the cheapest price. <clears throat> and they, they started up right at the right time. Yeah. And, you know, got some sizable government funding. Yes. So that's, uh, that's all of those. So should we hit the randoms? Sure. Okay. <clears throat> well, I would, as I said earlier, would like to review the Great Wolf Lodge. So this is a chain of, what? No, this is, why did it do, stupid Chrome, why'd you do that? I just want to do a Google search. Thank you. It brought up my history search for some reason. I was very confused by that. So it is, Great Wolf Resorts is a chain of indoor water parks. That exists primarily in the Midwest, uh, nationally? Let's see. Uh, Wisconsin, Ohio, Michigan, Kansas, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ontario, Texas, Washington, North Carolina, Massachusetts, California, Colorado. Okay, so co nationwide. Yes, they are now nationwide. And they've got <clears throat> some more. Oh, they've got one, supposedly. Um, building in England. So international coming soon. Yes. Technically already international because there's one in Canada. Oh, yes, you're right. So it's a it's a hotel with basically an indoor water park. Okay. And it's... And conference center. Yes. But if you don't have kids, <laughs> I would... <laughs> Not worth it? No. This it's it's basically built for families as a resort. It everything there is built for kids. I mean the, the okay. bowl, there was a bowling alley in there that was miniature sized. <laughs> yeah. You know, some resorts have golf courses. This one had a mini golf course. Um had the water park which had a whole like, you know, baby pool section and a lot of stuff. There was a, this giant structure. I wouldn't call it like a playground structure, but it was still just a big structure for the slides that had lots of, you know, water pouring down and everything. It, it's it's built for kids. And more specifically, I feel like the ideal age range for these would be second or third grade up to probably fifth grade. I'd say mid to late elementary school age, possibly middle school kids as well. But it's definitely got that family vibe, but for the younger kids, because they had things like arts and crafts and bingo. And they had a um, they had a dance party at nine o'clock for like a half hour with all, you know, family friendly tunes. OK, um, so it's like a Chuck E. Cheese water park. 
Well, they uh, they also had an arcade in there as let's see, so they had the arcade, which was just a bunch of ticket machines. They had a build a bear in there, the water park, bowling, mini golf. Trying to think, is there anything else? Oh, Magic Quest too. Uh, Magic Quest, uh, you get a wand that you have to pay for with a topper that you have to pay for, and then you pay for the time to play the game. And it's um, basically there are places around there which the wand uh, is an IR emitter, and you will interact with the items around the hotel. You activate these items. You get these runes and you can use these runes to um, battle these dragons. And I think there was a pixie there as well. But as I said there, um, you had to pay for the wand and the topper and the game time. Mm-hmm. There is a the, the price of the hotel room is minuscule to the actual cost of everything else. <laughs> At the, re- the hotel room is the the razor. Yes. Everything else is the blade. Yes, because you know, paying for all that stuff, paying for the build a bears, paying for the bowling, paying for miniature golf, paying for the stuff in the arcade. The food actually wasn't too bad. You know, the the kids' items are, were normally right around. Um, kids' meals were right around like ten bucks. So if you do like a, a ten dollar lunch and a ten dollar dinner, they had a, they had a Dunkin' Donuts in there as well. Okay. So you know, kids probably be around twenty five thirty dollars for food for each day. The not adult, bad for a day. No, not bad for a day. Well, no, wasn't the sorry, Kate's in the other room here. Weren't the kids' yep. meals ten dollars? <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, no, there were snacks. There was actual, there was no joke, a candy store in there as well, where you could, you know, buy candy by the pound. (laughs) How much candy did you guys buy? Oh, we didn't because we we stayed away from that as much as possible. Okay. (laughs) Kept the kids away from that. Yes. Probably a good call. It was, you know, if you go there for just the hotel room and the the water park was included with the hotel room. So if you just do those two, it's not too bad, but then you're going to have to eat somewhere else off site. And, you know, you're going to have to spend your whole day at the water park. So as soon as you leave that, prices start to add up. And of course, now after COVID... They have wristbands. So just like the casino, they're separating you from your actual money because there's no cash accepted anywhere on site. Of course. So it's either all cards or it's your wristband. So, you know, purchasing the the Build-A-Bears, you know, you just tap your wrist on the thing there. scan the band and it charges it to your room. Yep. Brilliant. Yep. Yep. As soon as I'm like sitting there going, oh, this is the casino model. Okay, I get you. Yeah. Why do they choose to do it there every year? I don't or know. Every couple years? No, this is an annual thing, so I don't know. Okay. They are also supposedly thinking of not doing it there next year, but I don't know. That is way above my pay grade, which actually I saw during the organizational chart. That's about one, two, <laughs> three, three, possibly four steps above my pay grade. That is a, a lot of, of, of pay grade. Yes. So that is that is not my area anymore. I just I'm I, I literally was able to like go through there and go, oh, I'm down here on this organizational chart. Gotcha. So yeah, it if you, if you don't have kids, don't go. If you do have kids, it, go it'll, be careful. Be, yes, go, but <laughs> buyer beware. Yes, budget plan out ahead of time. A lot of that stuff you could probably find the prices online. So it's it's very easy to um, to lose 
yourself very quickly. <laughs> and this one also was uh, Traverse City was actually the third one built. So it's, it's probably, you know, the other newer ones have probably learned. So that I, you know, I'm very curious to see what the new ones built out in California and Maryland look like. Probably the one it, mostly the same. I don't know. Well, the some of the stuff there is like they have like ropes course now for some of these places and other things. So more ways to separate you. Probably from more ways, yes, to separate you from your money. So yes, Great Wolf Lodge. Okay. That's what my thoughts are on that. So random topic, random topic rolled ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Speaking of kids, what was the favorite memory from your childhood and why? Oof. What are we defining as childhood? I don't part like it would probably for me, if I'm look, thinking of the window of my childhood, it would be have to be the time that I had spent in my parents' house in Celine. So that was basically like my pre-K to high school graduation time. I feel like that would be like the childhood that I remember. Okay, so we're including high school in childhood. Well, yes, yes, because you are under the eyes of the law, you are still considered a child. Okay, um, probably my first kiss. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember what year that was. When did I start dating? Oh, God. Yeah, I think it would have been the summer between sophomore and junior year. I think. I might be wrong on that. But I remember where it was, and I remember who it was. And it was a, it was like at a sunset on an island in off the coast of Maine. Um, it was pretty fantastic. You know, that does sound good. It was also a first kiss, so it was like... Super awkward, two young yep. teens who like don't know how to kiss and figuring yep. it out. Yep. That that one ranks pretty high up there. I mean, all the other ones are like playing computer games with my friends. That was also fun. Mm. Doing the, the after school gaming club. Oh yeah, in Mr. Leslie's room. Yep. That was pretty awesome. Uh, sitting in Bry's basement playing Final Fantasy VII with you, and you had no idea what was going on. No idea why you guys kept on racing those chocobos over and over and over again. And then resetting the game, and then racing the chocobos, and then resetting the game. No idea what's going on. Yeah. I'd, I'd say one of those is probably my top, like, childhood memory. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um... So I can think of like, yeah, elementary school. There was one time Jamie took me to something that was just the two of us. That was pretty cool. Um, middle school was finally like meeting all of you guys. And then I would say probably, yeah, high school would be meeting Kate. That was, yeah, that was literally the last year of high school. So it was pro high school was weird, especially the last half of high school because that was, it was a very odd transitional phase. Marching band stuff was always fun. But I don't, I don't know what, you know, what my favorite one was. Yeah, coming up with a favorite is hard. Yes. Because things, things are your favorite for different reasons. Like, my likes are varied and broad. I always said, you know, what are, what's your favorite music? And it's like, well, I've got my first three albums. I've got <laughs> ACDC, Bach, and Cab Calloway. That's my ABC of my uh, music right there. Followed by Daft Punk. <laughs> like I enjoy music from all of those. It's it's hard to pick an actual favorite. So yeah. no favorite from childhood. I I don't know something on that list. So at least I'll narrow it down. How about that? Okay. Well, on uh, on that indecisive note, we should probably wrap it up, and that's a wrap.
This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening.